Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ben Dibling. Ben is the Deputy Managing Director of the Penn Center for Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania, where he leads the licensing, corporate contracting, and corporate outreach groups. Ben's team is responsible for working with Penn faculty, staff, and students to evaluate, protect, and commercialize Penn inventions and discoveries, and to facilitate engagement with industry and startup company formation. Prior to joining Penn in 2016, Ben was the Senior Associate Director of Licensing in the Office of Intellectual Property and Industry-Sponsored Research at UCLA. Ben started his career in tech transfer in 2004 as a marketing intern at UChicago Tech, the Office of Technology and Intellectual Property at the University of Chicago, and was the program manager in oncology at the time he moved to UCLA in 2011. Ben holds a PhD in clinical medicine from the University of Leeds and a Bachelor of Medical Science from the University of Birmingham and is licensed to practice before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Ben is a member of Autumn, LES, and the chair of the Board of Governors for Certified Licensing Professionals. And with that very impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thanks again, Ben, for taking part in the podcast. And I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, Ben, and how you ended up in Philadelphia and at the Penn Center for Innovation? Sure, happy to do that. I I think of myself as being, a, we'll call it a reformed scientist, like many of my colleagues who work in this industry. So I started my career at the bench. Uh, and I was doing postdoctoral research at University of Chicago and kind of got to a stage in my career where I was thinking I probably didn't want to go the faculty route and I wanted to look for other options. Um, and I did a lot of investigation. Um, and I reached out to the technology transfer office at at University of Chicago. I was uh, curious to learn more about what they do. Um, And I had a couple of really good conversations there and they indicated to me that I really wasn't going to be able to get a good feel for what they did without actually doing it in real time. And so uh, I was very fortunate that they offered me an internship. there were probably less kind of formal internship programs at the time in technology transfer than there are today. And so I started working with the office for 12 hours a week, squeezing it in between my my work at the bench. And I can confidently say that within about two or three months, I was hooked. uh, And I was fortunate that an an entry level position opened up and they strongly encouraged me to apply. And uh, I joined the organization full time. And um, I loved it. Um, I stayed there for about seven years. Um, And then personal circumstances took me to the West Coast, um, where I joined 
the Office of Intellectual Property and Industry-Sponsored Research at UCLA. And I was at UCLA for five years. Um, and then, what, sort of four and a half years ago, I got, I got recruited to Penn. Uh, and that's where, that's where I am today. Wow, that's quite a journey. Um, definitely sounds like uh, you were very fortunate getting into tech transfer at the time you did. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think uh, I, I look back on it now and I think one of the one of the best decisions I ever made was to make that call to the office. And I was fortunate that they were receptive there to speaking to me about the work that they that they they were doing. Um, and while I enjoyed being at the bench, I, I, I've never really looked back. Um, I've really uh, thoroughly enjoyed what I do in this industry. You know, other opportunities have kind of come up along the way to maybe move move to industry or to start or to a startup, but nothing that's really felt as exciting and, and as an interesting um, and rewarding as as what I currently do now at Penn. Well, and we're going to get into that, and and I can see why because there's an awful lot that you're doing there at Penn, and it's very impressive. So why don't we start off by you telling us, Ben, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the Penn Center for Innovation, a little bit about it. Sure. So the Penn Center for Innovation is really a really serves as as a one stop shop um, for Penn um, engaging with industry. And we're focused on supporting the development of discoveries um, and inventions that come out of research at Penn and putting them in the best position to be developed into new products and services to benefit the broader public. In terms of what we do, um, we're more than more than just a licensing shop. So we have several functions within the Penn Center for Innovation that are all focused on supporting the broad engagement that Penn wants to have with the commercial sector to support its research enterprise and to also to support our faculty, uh, particularly those that have entrepreneurial aspirations. And maybe a good place to start is maybe can you tell us a little bit about how the Penn Center for Innovation, also known as PCI, helps to promote a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship at Penn? So we, we support that through our, through our activities in terms of supporting the advancement of in innovations coming out of research at Penn. But in addition to that, we have, we have a number of programmatic initiatives that are really trying to support that environment within Penn, that environment of you know, innovation. Um, I think it's, it's in the blood of the people that work at Penn. Um, and so we have a number of programs that I could speak to that, that support that. We, we're very active in terms of providing programming to the schools that we support. Uh, we have a seminar series that we run for some of our schools um, to bring in experts external to Penn to talk about um, innovation and entrepreneurship um, and also to showcase some of what we do ourselves within PCI. And those external speakers can really be very broad in terms of what they're, what, what they're interested in and what they've accomplished. Um, we have you know, patent attorneys, the patent attorneys that will come in to talk about the basics of intellectual property protection. 
will bring investors in who can talk about what it what it takes and what they're looking for uh, when they're thinking about making investments in companies that are developed around university intellectual property. Um, we'll also have individuals come in that have maybe served as a business lead or as a CEO in a, in a successful startup company. Uh, and really, we made those programs as, as broadly available as possible to faculty, staff, students, anyone, anyone who's interested in that. Um, we're, also a, we're also an ICOR site, uh, which is an NSF program, and that's really designed to facilitate commercialization of university research. Um, that program is run in twice a year, um, and we usually have about 30 teams running through that particular program. It's very much focused on customer discovery. So when a group of individuals thinks they have a business opportunity, really drilling down to see whether there is, in fact, a market for what they're thinking of developing and whether they need to make changes for that. And that's a program as well that is, is broadly available to the Penn community. So uh, we do have some faculty get involved in that, but we have a large number of student teams come through, all, all of whom are affiliated with Penn in some way. Um, we're also very fortunate to have the Pennovation Center here at uh, Penn, which is on the Pennovation Works site. And the Pennovation Center is um, is Penn's incubator, it, but more than that, it's really an innovation hub. Um, uh, we operate a lot of our programming through the Pennovation Center. We have lab space in the Pennovation Center that is available to many of our startup companies. Um, I think it's always full and there's <laughs> always groups that are looking to come in, uh, but that's been a great, great addition to the Penn campus. Now, in addition to all that that you just described, you also have something called PCI Ventures. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Absolutely. Um, uh, PCI Ventures is part of the Penn Center for Innovation. It's led by my colleague, Michael Poizel. And it's a program that's really designed to support um, faculty who are interested in startup company formation. Um, they're there as a resource for the broader Penn community. And I know the team over there spends a lot of time talking to individuals at Penn who are interested in startup company formation. They have been around since about 2010 um, and have worked with a large number of faculty, some probably 200 faculty that have worked in some way or wow. another through the programs that they, that they offer. And in terms of those programs. PCI Ventures has two key programs uh, that I should talk about. Um, one is called the Upstart Program. We really think about that as being a full-service program for faculty who are interested in startup company formation. Um, in terms of the services that the team provides, they're really varied. So they can help with developing out the value proposition for the company they can help identify a business lead. Uh, we're always looking for an individual or individuals to come in and serve as the interim CEO. They're also helpful in terms of applying for non-dilutive forms of grant funding, uh, typically through the SBIR or STTR program. 
they're also useful in terms of making warm introductions to investors. Um, Another value piece that they provide is that they will also provide guidance to the teams that come through that program in terms of how to pitch their opportunity. And I think we've learned a lot from that over the last few years. That's a real value add in terms of being able to coach people as to how to best present before before the venture community in order to get investment. So a variety of services available through the Upstart program. They have another program called Up Advisors, um, which is a little, little lighter touch, I would say, um, generally for faculty who don't need quite as much help, um, but they're able to support the company in a, in a, in a less extensive fashion. Um, you know, the company may come to us and, um, you know, they want to identify, you know, a, a law firm or someone that can work with them. Happy to make those introductions as well. We have a roster of uh, various service providers, actually, who are willing to um, provide those services to the companies on, you know, a deferred fee or reduced fee arrangement. But I think it's also important that I say that it's not required that the faculty work through one of those formal programs. And there's other expertise that we have within PCI Ventures that we can provide and other resources really to anyone anyone on the faculty at Penn that needs support in terms of getting a startup company off the ground. Now, switching gears just a little bit, Ben, I saw on the Penn website that Penn President Amy Gutman recently announced what she called Penn Compact 2022. And the goal of that is to motivate community members to innovate, be radically inclusive, and positively impact their local, national, and global communities. Can you tell us a little bit more about this Penn Compact 2022 and how PCI supports this mission? PCI, I think in terms of what we're trying to achieve, falls very squarely within those objectives of of, of Dr. Gutman. Our goal is, you know, a Penn is to innovate and PCI is a key piece in terms of helping to support innovation on the Penn campus. And in terms of impact, our activities are absolutely supportive of that as well. So while faculty do research and they publish, that's one mechanism through which they can have an impact. But another way they can have an impact is is to work with PCI, is to help us get their discoveries and inventions out into the marketplace um, and having a broad, broader impact through those commercial activities. So I feel as if PCI's mission and objectives are very closely aligned with what uh, Dr. Gutman is, uh, is achieving with Penn. Now, we've talked a lot about PCI, um, and I think this might be a good time to talk a, a little bit more in detail about your office. Can you tell us about it and how it's structured? So we're about... 67, 68 people, I think, in PCI. So we're a relatively large organization. And we have a number of different functional groups. Uh, We've talked about the PCI Ventures team. uh, But in addition to that, we have a licensing team um, staffed by a group of business development professionals. The way we're organized is that we have teams that support specific schools. And so The goal of that is really for faculty to be able to understand 
who they're going to be working with within the Penn Center for Innovation. So, for example, I have a team of business development professionals who manage the intellectual property and manage the relationships with the faculty uh, within the Perlman School of Medicine. And there would be similar teams and individuals who provide support to the, the other 11 schools. And there's 12 schools in total at Penn. Um, they're not all equal in terms of how actively we engage with them, but we support the schools wherever we can. We also have a corporate contracting team. So one of the things that's encompassed within the Penn Center for Innovation is we're responsible for implementing all research-related agreements with the commercial sector, with the exception of human clinical trials. And so whenever a company wants to sponsor research, collaborate with a pen investigator, wants to provide or receive materials, data or equipment, that group's responsible for implementing those contracts. And having that group under the umbrella of PCI allows us to be able to engage really broadly with industry because often what they they want is more than just a license on the option to the intellectual property. They want to build a relationship with Penn. And because that contracting group is within our organization, we can do that. We have a, a corporate alliances team. Uh, they're responsible for implementing and managing some of the larger scale relationships that Penn has with the commercial sector. Uh, we have a corporate outreach function. Um, it's a group that's interested in identifying and developing broader relationships with industry, uh, not necessarily focused on individual projects, but really looking broadly across Penn to identify where we have core expertise, where that expertise fills an unmet need that industry has and building those relationships. And I sort of think about that group as being the, the sort of the business development arm of the organization, but no business development arm can function effectively without a lot of support. And we have a lot of support and a really great team. Um, we have a legal team that's embedded within the Penn Center for Innovation. That's not typical, I think, for, for, for offices like ours. Now, these are attorneys who are part of the Office of General Counsel, but they their primary activities are to support PCI. So I have a team of attorneys that support our transactional uh, activities within the organization. And then we have the other functions that you would expect to have within an organization like ours, um, a finance team, um, uh, um, a group that is responsible for um, managing the IP portfolio. Um, we also have a marketing, uh, programming, and communications team. Um, and that's that's essentially the, the different sort of functions that are covered within, within the Penn Center for Innovation. And Ben, you mentioned it's a big office and you have a lot of personnel and you also have something that I thought was really, really interesting in what's called the PCI Fellow Program. Can you tell us a little bit about this program? Yeah, so the PCI Fellows Program is... Um, and I didn't mention them in the context of the describing the entirety of the office, but they they play a really important role. It's a it's an experiential program, training program that we offer through the Penn Center for Innovation. Uh, we have around twelve fellows working with us at any one time. Uh, we usually we have sort of an application process on an annual basis. These are typically graduate students or postdocs at Penn 
who want to learn a little bit more about, about what we do as an organization. Um, and they come in and learn from, from working with PCI um, in addition to some formal training that is also conducted for them as well. Um, and they primarily get involved in a couple of places to support our organization. One is helping us with the evaluation of early stage technologies that get disclosed to our office. We receive somewhere between 350 and 400 new inventions every year. And they also help with our marketing efforts as well. So they can be very helpful in terms of putting together succinct descriptions of the opportunities that we want to uh, make available to external parties and helping us identify you know, who are the potential parties who are operating in this space who might be interested in, in, taking a, in taking a license. And it's a great group. I mean, the individuals we have come in, are, they're very enthusiastic. They're interested in learning. Um, I've been in their position, so I, I know what it's like. And I think it's great that the, the PCI affords this, this program to individuals who are interested in learning more about what we do. I thought it was a really great program based on everything I read on your website. And what I found particularly interesting was the path that some of your fellows take after they complete the program. Do you want to talk about some of that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's diverse. I mean, I think, you know, when you're part of an academic institution, sure, we have our mission and our, our mission of what we're trying to do at PCI. But if we can also assist on the educational component, I think that's a real value add for the for the organization. And we see individuals who have participated, you know, they get interested in, in different things uh, that, that we at PCI are responsible for. And so we'll see we'll see fellows um, become particularly interested in intellectual property. And so they'll go down the road of taking positions with law firms as technical specialists, or they'll they'll decide that they want to go to law school and maybe become a pan attorney. Um, we have individuals who love what we do at PCI and they decide that that's the career path that they, they want to go down. And a good chunk of those fellows end up uh, working in the industry, which is, which is really great to see. I mean, it's a signal that they've had a positive experience with work with PCI. Uh, we see some folks go into consulting. That's pretty pretty common as well. Um, and we see some folks, you know, maybe they're doing R&D at Penn and they stay doing R&D, but it's not always that they stay in academia. Sometimes they realize that they want to do work on sort of the, for the other side, should we say, and they're interested in taking positions in the commercial sector or whether that be an established company or they go and work for a startup. Well, congratulations. It seems like it's a very, very successful program and it's uh, definitely having an impact, I would say. So switching gears, Ben, can we talk a little bit about metrics, things like how many invention disclosures, patent filings, revenue generating agreements, royalty incomes, things like that, that your office had in the last year? Sure. So um, typically we're within the sort of 350 to 400 inventions a year being disclosed to our organization. Um, that's a good number, but you know the research enterprise at Penn is, is a little over a billion dollars a year. So it's perhaps not terribly surprising that the volume is, is that high. Um, but for 2020, you know, we filed over 700 patent applications. Uh, we had 84 patents 
issued, uh, we entered into 643 uh, commercial agreements. I, it's important to know that doesn't include things like NDAs, um, non-disclosure agreements. If you added that number in there, you could add, probably add another 450 to 500 of those that are negotiated. So a really high volume shop from a transactional standpoint. Um, in terms of licensing revenue, uh, we're about $31 million that came in from active license agreements that we have in place. Um, we formed about 14 spin-outs where we were involved in facilitating those. And in terms of startup sort of activity and, and fundraising, you know, our, our, our startups over fiscal year 2020 raised about $590 million of capital, which is a which is a pretty healthy sum of money. So that was yeah. really good to see. Um, you know, I mentioned the Penovation Center. Um, there's about 70 companies that are resident within there in, in, in one form or another. And the other key metric for us, because we do handle, handle the industry-sponsored research agreements, we brought in about $116 million uh, in funding into Penn. And so that's been growing. Um, over the over over the years, um, and that obviously represents a pretty healthy portion of Penn's research enterprise. Yeah, and I would say you and your team had a very very busy 2020 based on those metrics. We did, yes, definitely. So Ben, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? It's a really good question. I think. I, mean, I could come up with a few different answers to this, but I, I think the key piece for me is relationship management. And I think that I'll expand upon that a little bit. I think um, looking internally to Penn, that relationship management uh, with the faculty is absolutely critical. Um, we spend a lot of time in terms of being responsive to requests that come in and supporting faculty wherever we can and trying to think about how can we make how can we make their lives easier um, they're obviously very very busy focusing on their research activities writing grants we we don't want to be an extra administrative burden uh, and we want to be transparent about what we're doing and so that all sort of ties in for me into this I, this this need to manage those relationships but it also works when we're thinking outward as well for the organization, whether that's the relationships that we have with established commercial partners and maintaining those. I mean, the commercial partners have things that they need from Penn um, and we need to be responsive where we can responsive, be responsive and, and where it's appropriate to uh, provide them what they, they need in order to be successful. Uh, but managing relationships also with, with people that we know in companies that could be prospective licensees and managing relationships with the investment community um, and also with individuals who can serve as potential business leads in companies. I, I really think that's a, that's a critical element to success. Well, I want to switch gears, Ben, a little bit and talk about corporate partners and the role they play in tech transfer at Penn. Can you give us some examples of the relationship with corporate partners? So we have a we have a large number of um, commercial entities that we have 
partnerships with, uh, they can be a very, they can be of differing flavors. Um, sometimes it is a sort of a one-on-one relationship between the company and a particular faculty member. And the research was being conducted by the Faculty Alliance very closely with their company's um, objectives. But we also have an increasing number of commercial partners where the engagement with Penn is much much broader than that, where these relationships tend to be um, you know, multi-year type relationships. Um, they often involve more than one investigator at Penn uh, where we have a particular area of, of research expertise. And this is, these are sort of the categories of relationships or contracts that we refer to as alliances. Um, the first one that we really at Penn got involved with, and that predates me, is the relationship with Novartis uh, that led to the development of Kim Raya, which is the CAR-T therapy. But on the back of that success, we've been able to we, I just should give credit to my colleague Jim Bowen, who leads that group, established a, a number of these number of these larger scale um, relationships um, with the pharmaceutical industry. And what we're seeing now is that we're able to kind of expand upon that. And they're not they're not necessarily limited to the pharmaceutical industry. Um, there was an announcement. Um, last year about a relationship that we had entered into with Hillrom, which is a medical device provider. And they have a relationship now working with the School of Engineering and the School of Nursing, where they're looking to develop technical solutions to address a variety of healthcare challenges, um, utilizing what they call safe, safe AI um, and Internet of Things technologies. So would you say, Ben, corporate partners led to more deals or would you say differently structured deals there at Penn? I think a little bit of both. I think more deals in the sense that where we've been successful, companies have seen what Penn's capabilities are, what our faculty can bring to the table. I think in terms of structure, I think that's part of why I enjoy being at Penn so much is um, the degree of creativity uh, we can we can apply to putting deals in place with these commercial partners to advance technologies, you know, where we really look at what is it that Penn brings to the table, what is it that the company brings to the table, and have a, you know, an appropriate sort of division of labor um, where we're all aligned in terms of trying to advance the technology towards a commercial product that is going to benefit that going to benefit the public. So, Ben, what about the role of philanthropic organizations like the Gates Foundation? Do you have much interaction with those types of organizations at Penn? The foundations like like Gates and others really are an uh, uh, an important part of the research funding that comes in to support Penn. Um, we don't have a huge amount of direct interaction with those foundations, but they're often coming in and supporting research programs that we believe have commercial potential and they're able to provide funding to help you know, advance those programs towards the development of inventions and technology that have commercial potential. And I think what's interesting now is that some of these philanthropic 
entities are also um, are also establishing their own vehicles to support commercialization. I'm specifically referring to those that have maybe created a venture arm. And then we would have more of a direct interaction because potentially they're looking at our spin outs. And what's nice about that is that the objectives are really closely aligned with the university where, sure, it's a, it's a, it's a venture arm and they want to see a return on their investment, but there's also a, a desire to really, particularly in the healthcare space, to develop technology to become new drugs or diagnostics where there's really a significant unmet need in the patient population that they're trying to support. So Ben, I wanted to ask if you could describe for us some of PCI's biggest success stories in terms of successful technologies, startups, or maybe some other things. Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I always feel like I'm picking favorites a little bit when I when I get that question. And yeah. we're fortunate we're fortunate at Penn that there's a large number of success stories, but I'll, I'll talk about some that are sort of front of mind right now uh, and, and somewhat topical as well. Uh, I mean, I think the the really exciting one for me right now is that the um, foundational mRNA technology that uh, led to the development of the Pfizer-BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines for COVID-19 originated a pen. And I, I think that's in, that's incredibly that's exciting. Awesome. That's absolutely incredible. And and I think it's it also illustrates the importance of federal funding for early stage research at universities because I don't think we would be where we are today if that federal funding had not come in and supported that early stage research of the investigators here at Penn. So we've been very excited, um, really excited about that, um, really across the entire institution. Um, a couple of other big wins, I think, from last year. We had two companies um, have have IPOs. Um, one of the company called Caballeta Bio, which is a uh, cell-based therapeutic company um, that was formed based on the research of uh, two investigators at Penn, um, 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 Mike Malone and Amy Payne. Um, and we had a second one, Passage Bio, um, which is a gene therapy company that was um, formed around the work of Dr. Jim Wilson um, at Penn. So both, we're very excited about both of those two. Um, Outside of the life sciences, you know, we're really excited about this company, uh, Exin Technology. Uh, that's based on work coming out of the laboratory of Dr. Vijay Kumar, who's dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Uh, the technology is focused on autonomous unmanned ro robotics, and their current focus is on the mining market, where these drones are being used to actually map these subterranean um uh, subterranean areas it's really it's really pretty incredible and we're really excited it's really cool <laughs> yeah um and i i should mention you know in the last few years there's been a couple of firsts um that have been really exciting for Penn. um i mentioned this uh, earlier but the uh, kim raya which uh, was um born out of research from the laboratories, laboratory of Carl June and, and other colleagues here at Penn, 
which was the first cell-based gene therapy approved by the FDA, and it was approved for the treatment of leukemia. Um, and we had another first, which was the first gene therapy approved by the FDA for treating a disease caused by a mutation in a specific gene. And that product was Luxterna, which was sold by Spark Therapeutics. And it came out of the work of uh, Dr. Gene Bennett um, and others here at Penn, uh, in conjunction with some collaborators at the Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania as well. And that's really exciting. It's a treatment for an inherited form of vision loss that can result in blindness. Well, congratulations. Those are some really fantastic success stories, particularly the foundational mRNA technology, especially given what we've all gone through and during this pandemic. But a lot of times with great success comes great challenges or or challenges in general. So what would you say, Ben, are your office's two biggest challenges? Well, I think I would be amiss if I didn't mention, uh, we'll go back to the sort of the COVID situation. That's obviously been the one that's been, uh, we've been, we've been living through over the last, uh, or probably coming up on 12 months in terms of us all going remotely. And that's, that's, that's undoubtedly been a huge challenge, although the team has really kind of uh, stepped up and I've been incredibly impressed with how they've been able to operate, you know, in the, in the current environment. And it's really a testament to the operations team in terms of how smoothly we were able to transition to being completely remote working. And, and there's been a lot of adaptation there, but I've just been continue to be really encouraged by the productivity, you know, of the office you know, particularly for the team who are maybe dealing not only with working remotely, but obviously personal circumstances that mean it's it's very difficult to actually get get work done. So I think that's that's been the biggest challenge. Um, we look forward to returning to the office at some point in the future. I'm not quite sure when that's going to be. Um, but the team has really pulled together um, within PCI, which has been great to see. Yeah, your team sounds incredible. And given the metrics you recited earlier, you got a lot accomplished last year. So um, congratulations for that. I I think the other challenge I would mention as well that we've been thinking about a lot is how to to support student innovation on the Penn campus. I mean, I talked a little bit about some of the programmatic efforts that we we put on um, the i program where students get actively involved. But it's definitely an area where we've been giving a lot of thought to. I'm not sure it necessarily falls squarely within PCI's mandate. We're, we're pretty much focused on, you know, the faculty and employees. And, and not all students need our help. We've got some incredibly entrepreneurial students on the Penn campus that know how to do it um, and can do it very, very successfully. Uh, but I think there's an opportunity there to kind of think about how we may be able to support that group um, a little more than we we already do. Well, switching gears a little bit, what organizations like Autumn, LES, Bio are you and your team involved in and what value do you think they add? I think a good chunk of the team, certainly myself included, are members of Autumn and LES. I th- and I think they serve a really a really important role for our industry. Um, I'm a regular attendee at the annual autumn meeting. Um, I think where I am in my career, it's really an opportunity to meet with colleagues and really talk candidly about 
the issues that we're we're facing, the problems we have, and where we've had successes, and and sharing that information with the community. And that's one of the things I love about working in this industry is how collegiate it is, and how people are willing to share their their experiences um, and brainstorm around you know potential solutions. So I get an awful lot out of being a member of Autumn. Um, um, LES as well, anything from an educational standpoint, that's also that's also really uh, a really great organization. I think for the more junior members of the team, from an educational standpoint, it's incredibly valuable. I, I certainly encourage people who are new to tech transfer um, the, those first few years in terms of attending the order meetings and listening to the sessions. They obviously have a really um, they have a really active um, web program as well for ongoing learning and education, and we participate in those as well because I think there's a lot of value add. And Bio, we are not a member of, but we are certainly active participants at the meeting, particularly for the group supporting the Perlman School of Medicine, where we can use it as an opportunity to engage with industry and, and and present some of the opportunities we have. Now, Ben, do you have a view on credentialing things like registered tech transfer professional and uh, certified licensing professional? And in your view, does it make a difference? I think there's a lot of value in in the credential, these credential programs. Um, I should say up front that I'm, I'm current chair of the board for certified licensing professionals. And I think as a as a certification, I think it really does. The CLP really does represent the gold standard in terms of um, in terms of certification for for licensing. I think what I've seen people enter this industry from a number of different backgrounds, and I think that sometimes it's difficult to glean from someone's resume just how much licensing experience they actually have. But if they've if they're CLP certified, you know they've they've sat the exam and they passed the exam, and that demonstrates to me that they they have knowledge and expertise in that in that area. I've sat the exam myself. I was not grandfathered in, and you know it's someone's got to have a pretty deep knowledge to be able to to pass to pass that exam. It's obviously not for people who have only just joined the industry, but for people who are three or more years in, then you know I would encourage people to um, to, to to take the certification. Ben, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? We've been very successful in terms of supporting the commercialization of technology coming out of the hospital and the Pullman School of Medicine. I think what I would like us to see in the future is is providing the same kind of value to the other schools who are part of of Penn. Um, We've made good inroads there. I think there's an opportunity to do it better. Um, I would like to see more success there that's equivalent with the School of Medicine. I'd like to see more relationships being built with the commercial sector. Uh, I think that would be my first. Um, My second would be that we really build upon some of the cross-school initiatives that have happened at Penn. It poses a really exciting time for us with 
the establishment of the of Penn Health Tech uh, a couple of years ago now, which is a center that was formed by the Office of the Vice Provost for Research and the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the Perman School of Medicine. And there's a huge amount of activity coming out of that, and I'd really like to see PCO play a key role in terms of helping to um, commercialize the output of that program. Um, there was another uh, center recently formed between the School of Dentistry and the School of Engineering. And again, they're really sort of focused on um, you know, technologies where there's, um, where there's as an application in dentistry, obviously, but where the origins of a lot of these technologies are coming from engineering. And I think really successfully supporting those cross-school initiatives is where I would like PCI to be. And the third thing, you know, I think it's illustrated a little bit by what we've now seen with the importance of the mRNA technology um, in terms of the COVID vaccines. You know, we continue to see emerging technologies coming out of the institution that I think have similar, similar potential. And thinking about a way, thinking about improved ways to kind of accelerate those discoveries and to support them in a less on a project by project way, but more more in sort of a, a programmatic type effort. That's where I would like to see our organization going. Those are really great wishes, Ben, and I have no doubt that you and your team are well on their way to getting those realized. So good luck. Well, Ben, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Uh, my, my contact information is all on the website, but you can certainly email me at, um, my address is bdibbling at upenn.edu. Great. Thanks so much again, Ben. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.